0: any industry you can imagine, women are gathering and their voices are being heard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that all of this is working in, in unison and, and there's a big change coming. Less than um, one-tenth of one percent of harassment suits um, are, are ever done away with that there was nothing there. Right, these these are men. The the Me Too men are heinous in their approach. Um, They're they're quid pro quo in power for advancement. Um, The average man has nothing to worry about.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, a cross generational conversation about leadership and power through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle, author of Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And my co-host and millennial niece, Monica Doyle, is on vacation this week. And you know, Father's Day is coming up, and I thought it would be very appropriate to talk this week about men. Uh, So much of the news recently has been full of ways that men are negatively impacting women's lives, from making decisions about our legal rights to widespread sexual harassment at work, uh, I thought it would be nice to turn our powering-up spotlight on one of the greatest male allies I know. Jeffrey Tobias Halter is president of Why Women, a strategic gender consulting company that focuses on the engagement of men in women's leadership advancement. He's a terrific uh, TEDx speaker, and he's the author of several books, including Why Women? The Leadership Imperative to Advancing Women and Engaging Men. And I have to say that any man who will go on stage wearing a pair of size 14 red high heels and tell the audience it's time to stop asking women to lean in and start asking men to stand up has my attention, he has my respect, and he has my everlasting gratitude. Welcome, Jeffrey. Hi, thanks, Uh, (laughs) Ann. I I heard you laughing there. I've seen you in action.
0: Context around the the, the women's shoes. (laughs) Absolutely,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Well, Well, I'm going to let you do it right away, but I just wanted to say that, you know, you and I have been working on women's leadership issues for a couple of decades and first got to know each other a couple of years ago when we were both keynote speakers at an event in Chicago. And I'm just curious, um, are you as discouraged as I am? about how progress is barely discernible. And there's plenty of evidence that in some ways the U.S. is actually going backwards.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, I started this work, you know, I was in sales for 20 years. I still kind of tie everything I do from a, from a managing diversity and leveraging inclusion standpoint back to the business. I'm, I'm a big believer in leaders need to see the bottom line connection. And so I I started this work, uh, my first 11 years were with Coca-Cola. I've been on my own uh, for the last eight, focused primarily on women and engaging men. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you had told me 20 years ago, this is what the numbers would be like, I I would have laughed at you and said, no, it can't possibly be. Mm -hmm. Um, But it certainly is. And it's certainly, uh, I think uh, it is disappointing, and I know we're going to talk later about the fact I'm very hopeful for the future, um, but, yeah, if, if, as we look to move into 2020, the, the fact that we're, quite frankly, still having this conversation right, is completely disappointing.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and give us a sense of uh, some of the, uh, the measures that you look at when you, when you say that. I mean, there's tons of research out there, but what are the pieces that you look at when you say, hey, this is really disappointing where we are right now?
0: Yeah, you know there 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 are so many different metrics. Um obviously the big one that that people turn to and it, and again, you know, it it's it's this context of we still don't have enough women in the C suite. We still don't have enough women in the uh in senior leader roles. And I'm stunned that we're still having a conversation around well we can't track that, we can't measure that. <laughs> when in fact in business, we track everything and we hold people accountable to everything but we're still talking about this literal 1990s terms of quotas Mm -hmm. which which is a bare minimum which doesn't even reflect the available talent pool Mm -hmm. and and as i meet with companies um you know all across the board uh, many companies are still well you know we can't talk about that and and i reference two things One is the latest McKinsey study, Delivering Through Diversity, said 78% of business leaders believe in the business case for diversity and inclusion, but only 17% hold their people accountable. Mm. Well, who's going to do anything if it doesn't affect me? Then it's just a nice thing to do. So this one notion of leadership accountability Mm -hmm. really has to take the forefront. Mm-hmm. And then we get into this notion. You know, the first pass is always, well, you know, we don't have any women ready. Uh, <laughs> They're you know, still saying that to you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and and many <laughs> companies, um, well-intended, have gone to diverse slates, where at least one of the three people has to be a, a woman or, or a person of color, mm-hmm. and and critically, they have to match the necessary skill set. So this isn't tokenism. It's you know, um, sourcing, working really hard. Um, but, but then when all of a sudden that job comes open and we have no women ready, um, somebody needs to look the senior leader in the eye and say, Jim, six months ago you had no women ready, mm-hmm. and now you have no women ready. I think we have a problem here. I don't think you know how to develop people, and I don't <laughs> think you need to know what you're doing. And it only takes one of those and but it's mm-hmm. the notion of we don't have anybody ready. Yeah. Well you know what? I'll take that one time as a senior leader. Yeah. But if you bring me that same excuse again, it's not gonna pass. Yeah. So so that's this accountability piece and leaders mm-hmm. treating this like a business imperative that it is.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Well, you talk about your sales, you know, you basically said, Hey, if you didn't meet your sales goals, what happened?
0: Absolutely. You know, I tell a story that uh, a lot of people say we're on a diversity journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I was never on a sales journey. You know, I know (laughs) you weren't either. If you didn't hit your goal every quarter, they fired us. Oh, but yet, you know, a a journey, you know, companies, people go on journeys. Mm -hmm. Companies implement long-term strategic plans with measures, accountability, uh, and deliverables. Mm-hmm. And and that's the big piece that's missing. Um, this is about half of my business. I, I work with companies to develop three to five-year strategic plans mm-hmm. because realistically, 400 out of the Fortune 500 have a bunch of disjointed women's programs, mm-hmm. but they don't have anything close to what you would call a true business leadership Strategy, wow. Um, to advance women. Wow. And it's really sad.
1: That is so One discouraging. The other tell,
0: yeah. Ann, so think about this. You know, most companies have women's resource groups. Yep. And, and these are very well-meaning, well-intended folks who get together. And, and most of them are charged with helping support women's leadership advancement in their company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, think about this. If I came to you and said, Ann, we're going to have a big M&A project billion dollar acquisition and I'm going to give you 35 really well-meaning volunteers and I don't know twenty thousand dollars <laughs> is that enough to do that with um, you can do that can't you I'm <laughs> laughing because I don't want to cry women right
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> right. you know, so <laughs> Oh, my gosh. another
0: big question. You've got to ask companies, how much money are you actually spending? Yeah. And and I guarantee you, most are spending less than $500,000, well less than
1: Mm $500,000. Even really big companies.
0: Even really big companies, which sounds like a lot of money. It's not. Now, when you're making $30 billion a quarter.
1: Right, right. Well, on top of all this discouraging resistance and apathy or being unprepared or not taking it seriously or whatever that's been going on in the corporate and the professional world for a long time, is you have this whole backlash now because of the Me Too movement. And I just wanna mention a couple of things. I know you're familiar with this uh, polling and stuff, but some of the the new polling that's out is that 60% of managers who are men are uncomfortable participating in a common work activity with a woman, such as mentoring, working alone, socializing, and that's a 32% jump from a year ago. Yep. Yep, And And senior level men now, much more hesitant than let's say a year or two ago, uh, to spend time with junior women, you know, mentoring them, sponsoring them, advancing them. Um, yeah. th- this is this is another whole. J- j- what is this fear and overreaction well, all you, about?
0: You, yeah, so there's a couple things going on. You know, one is I, I'm going to tell you it is a complete cop out. Um, people are using this as an excuse because less than. Um, one-tenth of one percent of harassment suits um, are, are ever done away with that there was nothing there, right? These, these are men, the, the Me Too men are heinous in their approach. Um, they're, they're quid pro quo in power for advancement. Um, the average man has nothing to worry about. And I think they're using this, many men, many companies are using this as an excuse. Mm -hmm. And then again, it gets back to senior leadership. There has been no greater time for CEOs to do two things. One is they have to issue a zero tolerance policy Mm -hmm. that says, um, if I hear about it, or if you hear about it and choose not to report it, you're going to get fired bar none, zero tolerance, and oh, by the way, if we live our values that are on our company wall and on our letterhead, this will not be an issue. But number two, if I hear a single incident of a man refusing to work with a woman, mentor a woman, coach a woman, then they're going to have to answer to me. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be both. Mm -hmm. And what's missing is that second part. I mean, again, it goes back to just common sense. You can't stop talking to half of your workforce <laughs>
1: yeah, right yeah and,
0: and, yeah, and so and, and so again, you know the, the me-toos are grabbing the headlines the 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 companies, you know the, this uh, this lean in research, I think i want I want to say the numbers high because i'm I'm <laughs> such an optimist and Pollyanna in my approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things we we talked about earlier. Um, I actually run a program for men who want to be advocates, and we spend seven hours, 30 men at a time, wow. talking about how we can be better advocates mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and how we can coach women. And um, and so it's funny because we, we've touched on a couple of these things, but I'll, I'll frame it up kind of in the gist of what that workshop is. Yeah, you definitely. Mentioned fear. You mentioned fear. You mentioned apathy. Yep. There are four barriers today that are holding men back from being better advocates. Mm -hmm. Empathy, lack of. Apathy, lack of. Uh, Lack of accountability. And then fear. And so here's how you overcome these four issues. To overcome empathy, you have to listen. You have to invite a woman to coffee and ask her what don't i understand about what you're experiencing in the workforce and you know what ann she's not going to tell you anything she doesn't want to wear the mantra for all women in the company yep but if you ask again and again in a very genuine manner don't interrupt her don't say well you know we got a policy for that (laughs) in the last 10 minutes you're going to hear things you were totally unaware of in your company that that were taking place so the first one is Um, listen, Mm -hmm. to overcome apathy, you have to operationalize the business case. And we talked about how you do that. You know, you really have to quantify what it looks like. And Mm -hmm. it's funny, I I feel bad that um, the millennial expert couldn't get on here. But there are four macro trends that are causing companies to really operationalize their business case. And it's all around talent, or a portion of it is. 10,000 boomers a day, largely old white men like myself, are leaving the workforce. 10,000 a day, every day, every year for the next seven years until they're all gone.
1: 10,000 a day. 10,000 a
0: day. It doesn't matter the industry. It Mm -hmm. could be construction, Mm -hmm. it could be supply chain, it could be IT, it could be sales. I mean, this is a universal phenomenon. And 80% of new entries replacing them are women, people of color, or millennials.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And so think
0: about that, that, that just the representation. If you go out to a company website and look at their executive team, in seven years it is going to change because if you look at these numbers, 3.7 million leaving the workforce.
1: Mm-hmm. But there's
0: only a million new workers coming in at the bottom
1: end. Mm-hmm. Talent shortage.
0: talent shortage talent so shortage we're sitting in an economy of less than four percent unemployment so the war for talent is very real and so companies need to figure this out and then the other one is this notion there's a great term for your listeners to, to talk about intersectionality yep. which says you can't talk about advancing women without talking about um, millennials women of color sexual orientation Um, because you can't define things just in a binary or one or two elements. It's a whole lot more complex, complex, isn't it? It is a lot more complex, yeah. Um, But by 2020, um, millennials – no, this year – I'm sorry. By 2020, millennials will be the largest percentage of the workforce. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so think about that. Millennials are already half the workforce. By the time the boomers leave, they're going to be 75% of the workforce
1: wow wow so that's
0: operationalizing so so we have empathy listen apathy operationalize the business case accountability ask tough questions that's what we already talked about
1: and then the last one is fear and then the fear piece
0: yep and and the way i have found that people overcome fear is through a personal connection and i'm not saying you can be i've seen people who are advocates But most people, and it doesn't matter what you're advocating for. Pick a a topic of advocacy. There is some personal connection there that drives you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that most men, believe it or not, contrary to the Me Too stuff, actually want to be good coworkers. But I don't think they make the connection. And this is where I tell my story. And that is... You know, I, want, I have a daughter. I wanted to raise a strong daughter. I supported her, mm-hmm. whether that was soccer or art. Uh, I made sure she went to a great college. Mm-hmm. But when my daughter graduates and makes 83 cents to my son, huh. when my daughter comes out in the workforce and is faced with the bias that I know exists, yep. um, the, the, the bias, you know, Ron down the hall, who I know is a, is a complete pig, that I choose to let operate in, in my workplace, mm-hmm. I choose to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think the tipping point comes when fathers of daughters realize the responsibility they have mm-hmm. to to get ahead of this. Because all these these guys were saying, well, oh, I don't want to talk to a woman, I don't want to mentor a woman. Yeah. Well, really, would you want that for your daughter? You want her held back? You don't want her giving you... Given the same opportunities you have,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you saying if you were to go mentor someone else's daughter, you wouldn't be able to, you know, excuse my French, you know, keep keep your zipper up? <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's the case. And so you've got to look at this not, and not, and, and this is so critical, not a patronizing treat Anne like my daughter.
1: Right, but yeah, the,
0: and like a valued coworker, like I would want my daughter treated.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I
0: think that's, and I think that's how you, and that's how this is going to be, that's how you're going to win this by getting men specifically to realize the responsibility they have.
1: And that's how you're getting to men. I mean, it, it's uh, incredible to me. I mean, you, you are, um, you make the business case and all that kind of thing. But you're also very tough on men.
0: <laughs> I am very tough. on Yeah, men. I mean you don't um,
1: take any BS. So you're yeah, like, but that's, but that's a cop she, out. She, that's she a. To do. It is. <laughs> See, and you can do that in a way that men won't accept that from a woman. Uh, you know,
0: and this is so funny, and I hear this a lot, right? And and again, you know, we talk about unconscious bias all the time, and and I'm not justifying this, but you and I could stand in front of the same, you know, majority male leaders yep. say the exact same thing and they think you're playing the women's card and jeff is this visionary <laughs> leader
1: it's all right That's we need enough. you as a visionary leader yeah. there jeff
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know to your point yep. i can say things you can't and yeah. they hear it differently yeah so exactly so,
1: um, well it, and, and, and
0: and that's why I need more of me, Anne. There's, well, there's, only, there's only about three of us in the
1: whole I, I know. You and are a rare breed. And, and I've got to give you a <laughs> chance to explain those red high heels because I started uh, out with funny. that. And I want to encourage our listeners to watch your TED Talk. I mean, there's a number of videos. You can find them online. Um, but tell yep. us about That was brilliant. Tell so, me how well, you came you. up with that and what yeah, you do. So,
0: um you know, when you get an opportunity to do a TED talk, you know, you've got to make it memorable. And I was talking to some of my colleagues about the different experiences men and women have in the workforce that men aren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. And we were just kind of brainstorming around. You know, what? How do you visualize that? And this is a line actually from my from my talk. But somebody said, "Well, you know, Ginger Rogers said uh, women have to oh. dance." backwards in high heels. Yep. And we just kind of thought about that and went, oh my God, what a great visual aid. Because number one, they're uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> um, you know, number two, they represent different experiences that men and women are having. Yep. Um, third, they're a complete violation of the man code. <laughs> um, but yep. then I showed this great visual that says, if we look at senior leadership, Right. 17 pairs of shoes belong to men. Only three belong to women.
1: Right. And that's a powerful counter to this perception that many men have out there that, gee, you know, yeah. I mean, you got to be a woman to get promoted these days.
0: Absolutely. And, and all this stuff, when a woman does get promoted, oh, you know, that was just a token hire. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, when seven out of eight promotions in your company are still going to men, um i don't think men are being disparately impacted at all so yeah um there's a great video and and i'm and apologize i'm drawing a blank on her name but if you go out and research flip it to test it
1: flip it to um, test it okay
0: flip it to test it she's the head of hr for roush pharmaceuticals in Mm -hmm. switzerland okay and uh, i had an opportunity to talk to her she has an amazing ted talk and uh I will actually connect the two of you. You can get her on for a podcast. Okay, I'd love that. Um, but she opens up her TED Talk by talking about she realized she had biases and they were against other women, mm. and it was groundbreaking to her. But when you get into these gender-based conversations, she uses this test, and she told me about this, and I think it's fascinating. And so when you're having this conversation around, well, why do we need to you know, track women's advancement?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Instead of saying, you know, 20% is good enough or, you know, we need to aim for 22%, you flip that and say, oh, so you're perfectly happy keeping leadership at 77% men. Is that correct? And it's so subtle,
1: and Mm. yet it's so
0: embarrassing at the same time. Mm. Well, no, 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 no. You know, but instead of trying to move from 20 to 22 when you frame it in the, in the 70%, oh, you, you want to keep 70% status quo. You're happy with that. It just changes
1: the dialogue, and it's
0: so subtle, and it works. So I'll give you that one, too. Wow.
1: But, wow. Uh, yeah. That's great. Well, you know, I started out talking about the fact that we're going to run this um, with Father's Day coming up here, and mm-hmm. I know you have a, I believe you call it the Father of a Daughter initiative. Tell us about mm-hmm. that.
0: Yep. You can download this from my website. It's uh, www.theletterywomen.biz. And uh, basically print it out, um, commit to do one of 10 activities on a daily basis to demonstrate your advocacy for women in support of your daughter. And they're built on the four principles of listen, learn, lead, have the will. And quite frankly, one of the most important ones is just putting it in your office to mark you as an advocate so that women can approach you in a safe, confidential manner and talk to you. Um, there's also a version called Advocating for Women uh, for the folks out there you know, who, who maybe don't have daughters. Um, and and uh, they can just post that as well to mark them as an advocate for women. But this one simple gesture Um, is just really, really powerful. And it reminds you on a daily basis, do one of these 10 things.
1: Okay, that's well, that's fantastic. And you know, we've been talking a lot during uh, this podcast about how discouraged we are and how uh, much work we have to do. But I know that you told me that you believe actually that we're about to approach a critical moment. Uh, when we're going to have perhaps a paradigm change in terms of advancing women. Um, what's the good news here, Jeffrey?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I've talked around these points, but I actually believe that, that women are now beyond the tipping point. I, I think they reached it um, sometime last year. And it's, and it's really a collectiveness of a number of things going on. Um, one is women are gathering And women are talking you know um 30 months ago a million women marched on washington demanding their voices be heard
1: i was there and then (laughs) you know
0: and and then just this last election cycle was a payoff of that and more women going into government roles yep but then you're seeing states like california which are mandating three women on their board by 2022 Yep. Now, the fine is only $300,000, but if you show up on this list without one, uh, without three women on your board, social media is going to cast you out.
1: There's some shaming there. It's not there. about the money. It's the shaming. Yeah. And
0: then you look at Google, you know, uh, the Google march out was so powerful because women were demanding That's right. that forced arbitration be taken out of their employment contracts. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, basically it means I can fire you anytime I want for any reason and you have no recourse. And it really plays into sexual harassment where even today most companies, um, the, the woman who reports sexual harassment is often turned into the victim. And as you read the statistics, she's many times forced to leave her industry a huge impact on her on her long term savings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So so this notion, Google also asked for a seat on their board.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Then you compound this with the millennials and the boomers retiring. You compound this with women getting more advanced degrees. You know, fifty eight percent of bachelors, sixty percent of masters, seventy percent of JDS. And and so all of this is coming to a head. And I think as the boomers phase themselves out, quite frankly, even if I wanted to only promote straight white men, it no longer is a sustainable business strategy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because of this whole war for talent thing that's going on. Mm -hmm. And you just have to look at every company and ask, what are your pain points? So Bristol Myers is one of my, one of my clients and, um, um, they actually do this this full- day mail engagement thing, and I was talking to uh, a senior chemist. Now think of this. he's in, uh, Bristol Myers is based in Princeton, uh, New Jersey. They've got at least a hundred biotech uh, you know big pharma um, genetic within a hundred miles. He said, "I have sixteen openings today for organic chemists. Mm-hmm. and I don't care whether you're white, blue, black. Um, I don't have enough bodies. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is employees are voting with their feet. And if you are not finding ways to make flexibility work, if you don't have progressive HR policies, if you don't have transparency, if you don't have um, women and people of color on your senior leadership team, you know, one of the other uh, things I do with companies and I do it in a very joking manner, but it really tells a story. So I, I bring in their own website, hmm. and first I put up the diversity and inclusion page, mm-hmm. and it's all God's happy people telling great <laughs> stories about what a company. Right now, think about this. So I'm, yep. a, I'm a black male. I've got a brand new MBA from Duke, and I'm thinking of coming to work for you. So I click on your DNI page, and it, you know it checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Then I click on the senior leadership team, the executive leadership team. <laughs> I don't see a single person that looks like me. Yeah. Now, it's not that I don't believe you, but if you're smart enough to want to hire me, do you think I'm not going to check this out? Do you think I'm not going to call Glassdoor? Right. You know, th- there's no company secrets here. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to go to the place that I feel the most at home at.
1: Show me, don't tell me.
0: Exactly. And I'll give you one more that's really fascinating. So, Uh, And it gets back to this intersectionality thing. So the human rights campaign has an index about how LGBTQ friendly you are. And Mm. the goal is to score 100. Um, They've got 10 criteria and you get 10 points on each one. Well, straight millennial employees are checking your HRC index.
1: Mm. Because if you're
0: not LGBTQ friendly, you might not be the kind of place I want to work
1: at. Mm -hmm. And
0: so that's where we just can't talk about women. We've got to talk about transparency. We've got to talk about sourcing differently. Um, And and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Everybody's feeling the pain at at the same time.
1: And another piece of this... Now that you mentioned that this index is is the global picture, and I think it's really important for any Americans who are listening to this to have a little reality check, because I always look at the the global gender gap report, which is published Mm -hmm. annually at Davos at the World Economic Forum, and you know for uh, oh maybe for the first ten or fifteen years that they did it, the U.S. was in the top ten as they're benchmarking. 149 countries on their progress toward gender parity. Mm-hmm. Well, I just checked late, the, the most recent index, and the U.S. has now slipped to 51st in the world. Yep. And, yep. you know, and, and in terms of political empowerment, we're 98th in the world, and that's the women mm-hmm. in political leadership. Um, so not only is it an issue against other American companies and talent, Uh, It's a it's a big issue in terms of the United States uh, losing ground in the world. Would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that's where this tipping point continues to come. You know, it's just continuing to pick up uh, groundswell, and and I think you're going to see a a real acceleration. You know, here's the last tipping point I'll give you, mm-hmm. is in the last year, I've been to over 30 women's events. It's, mm-hmm. it's where I spend my life. And
1: of course. Women are
0: gathering, and their voices are being heard. Mm-hmm. And, and I've talked to 100 women at an at a economic summit in, uh, in Santa Fe. I've talked to 600 women, the uh, awesome women of supply chain. I talked to a thousand women, the groundbreaking women of construction. Mm-hmm. I've talked mm-hmm. to the women in titanium, any industry you can imagine. Women are gathering and their voices are being heard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that all of this is working in in unison and and there's a big change coming.
1: So Wow, well we could do another hour talking about <laughs> all this and, and you. The, the good news is you've left us some with some good news and I appreciate uh, all of the, the tough talk and uh, the, the powerful message that you're um, taking out there, Jeffrey. Thank you. And you know, I always like to ask our guests kind of at the end, uh, um, would you share, what are you reading these days or anything uh, you'd suggest to people who are interested, uh, re- thinking about what are you reading? What,
0: yeah, boy, you know, that's a good one. Um, I Most of my stuff I'm reading is, you know, I, I'm a big uh, magazine guy. So mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I, I read, you know, Fortune cover to cover and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Entertainment Weekly, actually, is my guilty pleasure. Ah. But I, uh, I was thinking back that um, a book I recently reread. Mm-hmm. And it had to do around this whole kind of the Me Too movement. And that was uh, Gretchen Carlson's Be Fierce. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and what caused me to read it is I, I read that they're actually making a movie about uh, Roger Eris, which is just galling to me in the first place. Um, <laughs> but I actually tell a lot of men that they have to read this book. Mm. Um, the first The first four pages grab you because they are real world situations that she went through and they're very graphic and and very much um, just kind of jaw dropping. But then you start to realize that your wife may have been sexually harassed. Chances are your daughter, um, up to 40% of college women are sexually harassed in some way. And and every every father Mm -hmm. I know who's got a daughter going to college, I'm like, you need to read this book. and (laughs) You need to have a talk with your daughter. Wow. Um, It is so powerful. But it really gives you context and and a way to have a meaningful dialogue around me, too, Um, because most people don't understand the difference between, you know, there's quid pro quo is one element of of sexual harassment. But then the, the probably the more powerful one is hostile work environment. Yeah. Uh, Which can take on a number of different uh, uh, factors. Uh, And so uh, I would I would encourage any man who has a a mid teen up daughter to go read this book and tell them to, to not think that I guarantee they will think differently about the Me Too movement and it will change their point of view.
1: Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I I read that book, I might go back and reread it because it really is a powerful, um, great, great book. So thank you so much. Uh, Happy Father's Day, everybody. And, uh, you know, thank you, Jeffrey Tobias Halter, uh, for having this conversation with us. Uh, Jeffrey Tobias Halter is a gender strategist, an author, a great speaker, and he's president of Why Women. And what's your website?
0: Yeah, my website is www.y, the letter Y, women, W-O-M-E-N, dot .biz. And I'll give you one other thing. Um, I've got uh, five or six white papers out there that mm-hmm. your readers can share with their, or your listeners can share with their companies. And then I just created something new called the Gender Advocate Profile or the Male Advocate Profile. Okay. And it's a simple online test. You answer 10 questions around the way you think about gender equity, but then the next 10 questions are on actions you take to demonstrate gender advocacy. And what's fascinating is even women will score much higher in thinking about it than taking action. So it's free, download it, take it to your company, um, uh, and, and just use it to run a staff meeting to, to start a conversation. I think you'll find it really, really meaningful.
1: All right. Well, that's fantastic. And I will definitely post uh, links uh, on my website, Ann Doyle Leadership, to uh, your white papers and and your website. So thank you so much and uh, go get them, Jeffrey. Thanks, Ann. All right. And have a great week, everybody. So don't forget to let's all go power up. I'm Ann Doyle. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Ian Doyle LDR on Twitter. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.